From the studio in Sun City, Arizona Boomer Radio presents Wealth DNA with Ron the Ronald Naraki. Wealth DNA gives you insights and methods for increasing your net worth. Ron's experience dealing with local and international markets give him insights that can be valuable to any investor. Now here's the host of the show, Ron Naraki. Hello and welcome to the Wealth DNA Radio Show. <clears throat> Excuse me, we're honored that you're joining us today, <clears throat> especially if you live in the 48 of the United States that changed your clocks this weekend. And while I mention that, let me remind our listeners in Europe that same time change challenge will come their way just in time for our next show. Today is the second in a series of shows focused on retirement-related topics. And no, we won't be sharing ideas of how to enjoy your retirement. We'll focus on the financial aspects of retirement and preparing for it so you can fully enjoy that retirement. Since the mission here is to help you and one million others become millionaires. We'll be discussing a retirement account for people filing U.S. income taxes, and yet we hope we'll inspire some of our listeners in other parts of the world to plant the seeds of this type of retirement account in the country you call home. I've never heard an economist nor a politician in any country dispute the fact that entrepreneurs are the key to economic growth and job creation, nor have I heard any economist or politician complaining that there are too far too many good jobs for people to fill. What makes this retirement account so exceptional is specifically geared to entrepreneurs, exactly the type of entrepreneurs we need more of throughout the world. Now, if you wish you could be one of those successful entrepreneurs rather than working for someone else, then I'll remind you about a wonderful show we had with James Beach when he talked about entrepreneurship, and that was on January 25th. His most important advice for aspiring entrepreneurs, and obviously we had an hour full of great uh, conversation, get off the couch and turn off the TV. And I'll admit, I've never met a successful entrepreneur who's been inspired while watching TV. Now, if you know such a person, I'd love to hear of them or uh, uh, you know, either have them contact me or you can contact me. I'll gladly name them as one of those rare exceptions. Now, whether you're on the West Coast where our guest is or in Arizona where I am, and you're sipping a cup of coffee as we are, the U.S. East Coast, and it's your lunchtime, you're in Europe ending your work day, you're somewhere in between, or you're listening to the archive of the show, I know you'll be glad you joined us for this hour. Now, if you're listening to the archive in 2017 or later, you may regret not listening in March of 2016. Now, on the Wealth DNA Radio Show, we focus on the fundamentals of investing and providing great ideas for building and protecting your wealth. Today is no exception. I like to start each show by sharing a quote to set the tone for today's, for the show's topic. And here's one that I thought does pretty well for today's show. Retirement is long, like a long vacation in Las Vegas. The goal is to enjoy it to the fullest, but not so fully that you run out of money. That quote is from Jonathan Clements, an excellent financial columnist whose articles you'll see very often in the Wall Street Journal. Now, we certainly want you to have a very long vacation in Las Vegas or anywhere else and enjoy it to the fullest. So we put together a show today to help you tuck away a lot more and defer or even avoid taxes on that money forever. Today is Monday 
March 14, 2016. It is 9:04 a.m. in Arizona and the U.S. East, uh, the U.S. West Coast. Excuse me. It's the only day ever like it. So we'll do everything possible to make it a great one. You're listening to the Waltheania Radio Show. I'm your host Ron Naraki. The show air, airs every second and fourth Monday at 9 a.m. in Arizona. Remember, we don't change our clocks here in Arizona. So if you change your clocks, your time changes. If you didn't receive a reminder of the show, you should connect with us on Twitter or Facebook where we post reminders. Just connect with The Ronald, put together as a single word. We'd like to thank our sponsor today, BI Solutions Corp., a residential real estate fund in the Phoenix-Scottsdale area, for helping us put together and share this information with you appropriate to many of their investors and shareholders. I certainly hope you can join us each time we air, but if you miss a show, you can find them in the archive. Just go to wealthdna.us where we list each of the shows, both upcoming and archived. Now, we welcome your comments and questions during the show. I recommend using the chat window, which is down below the radio player. Uh, That'll be the easiest given the amount of information we have to share. And we also have a call-in number, and our producer can share your question or comment with us. Call-in number is 917-388-4162, which is also shown at the top of the Internet screen. Now, since our last show, the U.S. equity markets are up over 5%. And uh, today, they're down. They're uh, basically a negative start along with oil and precious metals, whereas Asia was up. Europe, which closes shortly, is up, and Brazil is up. So the U.S., is leading things down. And our guest today, by the way, to uh, talk about solo 401ks is Clint Coons. He's an attorney and author. He's a founding partner of Anderson Law Group and manages its Washington office. Clint specializes in developing private lending structures, joint venture agreements, land trusts, LLCs, tax-deferred retirement vehicles, and other business forms to shield real estate investors from the myriad of challenges facing them in today's economy. Now, Clint has also published dozens of articles and workbooks on the subjects of real estate investing and asset protection, including his most recent book, Asset Protection for Real Estate Investors, which I've added to my reading list. Let's give a warm radio welcome to Clint Coons. Welcome, Clint, and thank you for joining us today. Ron, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Well, and I gave a brief overview of your background. How do you introduce yourself at a cocktail party? Well, typically I introduce myself as first being a, a business owner, real estate investor, and then an attorney. And it's just because I grew up with that type of background. My father, uh, he worked for the federal government. He was a computer programmer, but he was a real estate investor uh, in his own right. And he instilled in myself and my brother this desire to, you know, take your take the money that you're earning and go out there and put it to work uh, through real estate, through other business ventures. And he was actually very successful in the fact that he had two sons. So I was often look at it as he had indentured servants for 27 years. He <laughs> <laughs> so built a property build management. Up quite a bit yeah. yeah, it worked out well for him. <laughs> That's right. You know, it's That's funny right. that his investing uh, stopped the day I graduated from law school, and he could no longer hold that over me to come work for him for nothing. So. <laughs> well, but you did learn so I guess that's, uh, you know, the, you, you learn from the process, so I guess that makes it all worthwhile. Now, when we posted this show, I mentioned we'll be talking about the most attractive and least known individual retirement plans entrepreneurs can uh, take advantage of. So I, we really should start by getting our listeners up to speed. How long have these solo 401ks been around or available to them? 
Well, they've been around since 2001, and it's an outgrowth of just a traditional 401k. But what they did is they simplified it. Congress simplified it to make it more accessible to small business owners to give them another option other than the SEP IRA, which so many small business owners make the mistake of of investing in or, or saving for their retirement through. Okay, and yeah, we'll talk a little bit about both of them. But the word solo, of course, implies individual, and the 401k is an employer-based plan. So how can it be both? Well, what they've done is they've limited the solo 401k to businesses where there is one business or two business owners, and it can be partners or a husband and a wife. So you can't have employees. So it's just got to be the two of you. And that's how they define it. And then it gives you the option with this type of plan to have employee contributions in the traditional 401k format and employer contributions. So your business can actually make contributions to the plan as well. Okay. So it is a business plan. It just happens to be for uh, for those business owners, a small, small business or at least uh, limited to a couple business owners. It wouldn't be a corporation that has 20 or 30 uh, owners. Okay. That's, that's clear. Now, I also tend to think of two types of retirement accounts as soon as the topic comes up, the traditional or deductible account versus the Roth style, which, gives me, uh, which doesn't give me a deduction now but is tax-free later. Which type is the solo 401k? It's all three. So it's oh. all 401k, yeah. See, that's what most people don't realize. Okay. Is this plan offers you three different buckets for saving for retirement. So you get the best of, of all worlds when you create this type of plan. Okay, so the plan itself is not limited to being one or the other, and it actually allows multiple simultaneously, so I can literally have uh, have uh, deductible portions and uh, kind of this Roth or, or uh, you know, the uh, tax avoidance uh, types of buckets. Tax hmm. minimization is a term we like to use. Um, avoidance is never a good word to use when we're talking about taxes. <laughs> well, between yeah, the, actually, between there's three, us, three buckets there. Nobody's listening. And you can choose how much you want to put into either one. Uh, you can move money around between the buckets uh, throughout the year. You know, how you craft a plan is so important when you put these plans together because there are a lot of groups out there, you know, financial institutions that offer this type of plan if you ask for it. But it's in how you draft the plan that is going to determine what options you actually have with what you can do with your money. And I've seen plans that are ex- extremely restrictive and they do not give employers or business owners the ability to in, uh, set up their plans in a certain manner that allow them to contribute you know, up to the full $53,000 a year into their plan, which you, you can have it go in either tax deductible or can go in as after-tax money, which then opens up other opportunities for you if your plan permits it to really take that money and do a lot of interesting things with it. Hmm. Okay. Besides the flexibility, I think I just heard the big answer to <clears throat> why I wouldn't just contribute to an IRA or a uh, a Roth. Uh, it sounds like a big piece of it is that there's a much much bigger number, like tenfold, what you could put into those uh, you know standard plans. Oh yeah. So so with a Roth IRA or traditional IRA, you're going to be capped at fifty five hundred. If you elected to use a SEP IRA, you're looking at twenty five percent of your compensation is the maximum amount that can go into your plan. But with a 
solo 401k, the contribution limits can be higher because you're allowed to contribute just as the employee up to $18,000 of the money you take out as a salary. So right there you have a, a large chunk of funds that can go into your plan before your company starts making contributions for you. Uh, okay, so we'll we'll have to talk a little bit more about some of those uh, details. But before we do, share with our listeners how they'd contact you, learn more about you, the Solo 401ks, and other services that the Anderson Law Group offers. Yeah, it's if if you were to go to AndersonAdvisors.com, that's the easiest way to contact us is through our website. Um, you can also contact us uh, at our phone number is eight hundred seven zero six. Four seven four one um, is the best way to get a hold of us. And we've got lots of information on our website that goes through different aspects of what we do at Anderson. Uh, our team approach that at Anderson, you know, we're not just attorneys. We have multiple offices uh, throughout Las Vegas and in Washington State. In addition to that, we have CPAs and financial planners um, that all focus on ensuring that the client's assets are put together in a certain manner to achieve asset protection and tax reduction. Okay. Now, important because it's a uh, web address, the Anderson has S-O-N as the spellings. There are two common spellings of S-E-N and S-O-N and Anderson. And I guess the way I'll remember that now, so you never you never know which one is which for an individual, uh, is the uh, story about uh, being free labor for your father. So. Uh, that'll <laughs> that'll help you remember Anderson. It may help a few listeners remember which one it is as well. So uh, A N D E R S O N advisors. Okay. Now while we're on that, how long have you been setting up these qualified retirement plans? Oh, I've been doing this since '99 uh, is when I started setting them up. Yeah, and it's changed over time because. When I first started setting them up, I was more along the traditional route that most people uh, who set up these types of plans approach retirement planning. That is, you, you take a volume submitter type plan, you create it with the standard provisions, and then you, the employee or the business owner who adopts it can start contributing money to it. But as time went on, uh, I got more involved with retirement plans and what you can do with them because much of my clientele, they're outside-the-box thinkers. They don't want to be okay. hemmed in by a set of restrictions that are that is artificially imposed upon them by the financial institution with where they have their money. And when you craft a plan, you can build a lot into it that most people are unaware of because those options have never been presented to them before because their only experience with qualified retirement plans many times is with their employer who they have the 401k and they say you can only invest in these mutual funds here and here's your limitations on what you can do with the money outside of that. So that's okay. what really got me interested in it. Yeah, interesting. And so you actually you've been involved with this before the launch of these solo 401k's which you know 2001 and we're really talking recent and I think that's one of the reasons so few people are aware of them. They really are pretty recent whereas uh you know I've been involved in IRAs or 401k's in some sort since the early 80s and I guess they've been around since uh, the uh, the 70s. So uh in 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 many ways this is recent history and uh, could be the reason why a lot of people aren't aware of them. Yeah, it's just a lot of people, first off, a lot of people do not refer to it as a solo 401k. That's just more of a okay. marketing term that's thrown on mm-hmm. it. Um, but because of the relaxed rules that apply to this type of 401k plan, namely it's not subject to the ERISA uh, fiduciary requirements, uh, reporting requirements, they 
threw a marketing term out there and said, well, just call it a solo. It only applies to one person or, you know, business partner, and that's it. Yeah, and since you mentioned the term ERISA, I assume that's employee retirement, something or other, some government uh, law that uh, kind of establishes how these plans have to be set up for an employer, correct? Yeah, the Income Security Act of 74. It basically establishes a set of rules uh, that apply to employers who adopt these plans to ensure that the employees who participate in the plans are protected, that the employer is just not taking the money uh, and making bad investment decisions with it um, or just not even contributing to the plan altogether. And so they scrutinize 401k plans to ensure that the employees who actually make contributions uh, their money is being put into a, into a plan that uh, it is protected and that the employer doesn't have unfettered access to it, and the employer itself is actually making their required contributions, and the plan wasn't set up just to benefit certain highly compensated individuals. Because obviously, you know, if we set up a plan that's our business and we have 50 right. employees, we'd want to make all the, all the contributions for ourselves and exclude the employees. So. That's correct. We're going to want to to uh, favor ourselves, and uh, we, we touched on it very briefly. This SEP IRA is is out there. It was another alternative, as some people know. But why don't you tell us a little bit about the SEP IRA and how it differs from the solo four hundred one k, kind of at the uh, uh, three thousand foot level? Because we'll dig into more detail here shortly. Well, with the SEP IRA. It's set up for self-employed individuals, and that's what it stands for, self-employed individual IRA. With the traditional IRA, you can contribute up to $5,500 a year, and in order to make that contribution, you just have to have earned income of at least 5500 But that's where you're capped. With a SEP IRA, it raises the contributions for individuals, provided they have active income that they're paying you know, FICA on employment taxes on. Now, with the SEP IRA, though, your, your contributions to this type of IRA is going to be limited to 25% of your taxable income that is generated from your business. So if you made $100,000 uh, from your, from your uh, say, you had a real estate business or you know, whatever, your photography business, then the maximum contribution you could make to your SEP IRA is $25,000. Whereas with the solo 401k type of plan, you can make $18,000 contribution from yourself personally, plus you can throw in another $20,000 from your employer into that plan. So so your contribution limit, as you know, that example is $38,000 versus the $25,000 with the SEP IRA. And if you're over, you know, a certain age, you have those catch-up contributions. So you can throw in an additional $6,000 in the to the plan, which is not available with the SEP IRA. For those people who are over 50 years of age, you have the Roth bucket. With a SEP IRA, you do not have the ability to contribute to a Roth. Yeah, but the solo 401k, you do. And then it also comes down to things such as borrowing, which we'll get into, that you can utilize a, a 401k for, which you can't with an IRA, and then control over the money as well and taxation. So there's a number of reasons why. Whenever I run into somebody who has set up an IRA, I understand. It was simple for you, and that's why you chose to set up this plan because your financial advisor uh, told you this is what you should be doing to save on taxes. It's it's accurate uh, advice, good information, but it may not be relevant to what it is you want to do with your retirement funds. Or you could be doing more. Exactly. 
All right. Let me remind our listeners, you're tuned to the Wealth DNA Radio Show. I'm your host, Ron Naraki, and I look forward to you joining us every second and fourth Monday. Now, if you missed some of the prior shows, like the one I mentioned with James Beach on entrepreneurship, or you want to re-listen to them, we maintain an archive of shows on wealthdna.us. If you'd like to get an email reminder of the show, send an email to me, ron at wealthdna.us. We'll keep you posted about future shows and events. Or you can follow The Ronald, no spaces, on Twitter or Facebook. Now, during the radio show, we welcome you, and I will start paying attention. I've been listening so carefully. I haven't been paying attention to our chat window, but so far, so good. Uh, There is a chat window below the radio player, and you can put in your comment or your question. We'll try to fit it in in the appropriate sequence, or you can call in 917-388-4162. It's also shown at the top of the screen. Our topic today is solo 401ks, which we're learning is more of a marketing term. Uh, I hate to hear what the government really calls it, which we're discussing with Clint Coons, an author and a founding partner of Anderson Law Group. He manages its Washington office. Now, Clint, we've had a few shows on true self-directed IRAs. I always throw that word in because we have a lot of companies calling them self-directed IRAs. In other words, you can pick the stocks out of uh, a Wall Street-type IRA, but you can't do anything else. Uh, Can a solo 401k be self-directed as well? Absolutely, and it's, at its very nature, it is self-directed. You know, there's a lot of p- promoters out there that talk about self-directed IRAs where they convince people to roll their money out of a Charles Schwab or mm-hmm. into their plan where they're the custodian of the money. And it's it's funny because once people make this change because they're told they can do more with their money, they soon find out that the plan they had with Charles Schwab or some other financial broker, was actually truly self-directed because they could get log in and direct their money into uh, certain investments, uh, and mm-hmm. they could get out of those investments whenever they choose, and they didn't need to contact a broker to do it because it was all available to them. The problem is you're just limited. That is, you have to stick with that particular broker who sponsors your plan, and you can mm-hmm. only invest through them. So this industry sprang up. And they said, hey, would you like to invest outside of your broker and go out and you know, maybe do private money notes, uh, hard money lending, invest in real estate? We'll give you that opportunity. But the problem is, for those individual investors who made that choice, what they found out relatively soon once they rolled their money over is they couldn't make the investments on their own. They had to contact the custodian of their funds or the third-party administrator and get them to handle the entire transaction. So this created this has created an issue for many people who want to have more control over their funds. They don't want to be limited to just stocks, but they also don't want somebody to uh, control how they put the deal together because they don't necessarily operate on their same time zone or their same work schedule. So here comes the solo 401k, which when you set it up, you're the trustee of your plan. So as a trustee, you have complete control of all the money that's held inside of there. You decide what you want to do with it, where you want to put it, how you want to invest it. But again, it's also going to be uh, dependent upon how you set up the plan. That is, if you utilize a financial institution, you will find yourself back into the same scenario again where even though you're the trustee of your plan, your investments will be limited to the options that they provide you. And that comes down to cost of setup. That's why you have this. Okay, so 
well, let me just now, you've contracted a little bit the self-directed IRA. Let's contrast it back to the kind of the standard 401k. Standard 401k typically is administered by some company that, again, restricts you to Wall Street types of investments, uh, mutual funds generally, uh, occasionally some brokerage accounts. Most of the time they're mutual funds. So you're saying that in my solo 401k, I'm not limited to that. I could invest in real estate or some, maybe some private businesses via crowdfunding, which we've touched on a little bit in the show, or other such things that they self-directed. So it's kind of like a, uh, it has the features of the self-directed and maybe a few advantages of the uh, 401k, correct? Absolutely, it does, um, provided that it's set up in the right manner. That you know, there's there's a lot of money in 401ks for financial institutions. So they, when you put your money into a traditional 401k with your employer, it's being managed by a financial institution, and in exchange for them holding your money, they're they're not going to charge you very much for that plan setup because they make money off your money. Right. Now, once you set up a plan that allows you to invest outside of that financial institution, now they're out of the game. So they do not offer those types of plans. They want to hold you captive inside of inside of there. And that's why these plans sure. seem so restrictive to a lot of people. Okay. And what got you kind of interested? You touched on it a little bit, but you know, again, this was—is this because of your real estate? Was it because of your, um, you know, experience that you ran into in law school? I mean, what you know, what what kind of inspired you to to, to dig into these solo one workforce? They were introduced after you started doing some of these plans, but what you know, what was kind of the inspiration? What happened between two thousand and two thousand and two in the market? Ah, That's what got me interested. Ah, uh, very, very. Yeah. Now there, see, now that really clicks because, boy, talk. I didn't think about that timing when you said 2001 uh, was when the uh, solo 401ks launched. Sure, that we were we were looking at the uh, the wonderful tech crash, the dot com crash, all sorts of names we've given it. Uh, so very, very interesting uh, timing. And and again, there, there, it's really emphasizes the point that this kind of plan allows you to invest outside of Wall Street. Um, and if you want to continue to have Wall Street investments, sounds like you can have those as well. But very, very interesting. Now, how much in total could I contribute? So, you know, rather than you know working on a specific salary, what is there an overall cap that says just like the fifty-five hundred uh, uh, for for an IRA or a Roth? Uh, is there an overall absolute cap? So, if I'm earning a million dollars a year, I still can't contribute more than X. What would that maximum be for for a solo four hundred one k? Generally speaking, it's going to be $53,000 is going to be your cap contribution. All right. So not quite 10%. Not quite 10% of much I can – I mean, 10 times as much as I could put in an IRA. But that is pretty impressive. Okay, now that's a huge advantage to be able to uh, contribute more. Uh, but is that the only advantage of the solo 401K, um, you know, other than in, in a, let's say, a self-directed IRA or, or a combination of, of, of different uh, IRAs and, and – uh, self-directed. Uh, are there other advantages to doing, um, you know, the solo 401k? Well, absolutely. I mean, when you adopt this plan, number one, we are talked about as control. So for a lot of okay. my clients, that's what they want. They want to be able to direct their money into alternative investments. So they, they look at this plan as the solution to the issues that they've they run into with their SEP IRAs, or with their traditional broker. So besides control, you also have asset protection. I mean, this is something that a lot of people are unaware of uh, when it comes to plans, that IRAs 
do not offer the same type of protections that 401ks do when it comes to lawsuits or something more to happen. Yeah. Oh, tell us, tell us a little bit more about this. This is an important one. I was not aware of that. So you're saying the 401k is better protected against, uh, let's say, lawsuits. I think that's the most typical issue that can affect any one of us because anybody can sued, be sued by, by anybody but for anything, whether frivolous or not. So uh, the 401k is a is a better protection, you're saying, than having in the IRA. Oh, it's far better. You know, uh, it's interesting. This weekend I went up snowmobiling with a friend of mine, and it was kind of a guy's trip. And the individual I rode up with, he's a bankruptcy trustee. And we got to talking about bankruptcy and IRAs and qualified retirement plans because there's been a lot of uh, movement in the last year with bankruptcy trustees invalidating IRAs because of the fact that the people who set them up didn't understand how asset protection works with the IRA. And there's a lot of states out there that do not offer asset protection for uh, IRAs, that is, if you get sued individually, your IRA could be at risk. Now, mm. what we've seen is that people who want to take their IRA money and invest it outside of the market, so they don't want their hands tied as right. to what they can do with their funds, they've elected to set up self-directed IRAs, which IRAs. is a term the states, yeah, you can do anything you want with it. But mm-hmm. here's the problem. When you come to investing with your funds, the rules can become somewhat complex. And if you don't follow the rules properly, then what will occur is if you engage in what the Internal Revenue Code deems to be a prohibited transaction, your IRA is invalidated as the date that that transaction took place. So let's assume four years ago you made a mistake with your IRA, you did something wrong, and it's considered a prohibited transaction. And now nobody's going to find out about this unless you're audited or you're involved in a lawsuit. What bankruptcy trustees have done now, in order to gain access to IRAs that were typically are, are typically exempt from their reach, is they break the IRA by showing that the investor made a prohibited transaction. And so as, as of the date that the prohibited transaction occurred, which typically predates, of course, the bankruptcy filing, the IRA protections are lost. And they're able then to reach in and take all the proceeds out of the IRA and then distribute them to the creditors. And this is something wow. my friend Mark and I were discussing because he's a bankruptcy trustee here in the Western District. Uh, that's something that he's had a lot of success with, that people have set up self-directed IRAs. They didn't realize that by setting that type of plan up, they were putting their retirement funds at risk if they made a mistake. That's huge wow. when it comes to using those funds outside of a traditional format of staying with your broker. Okay. Obviously, now we start touching on a topic that, you know, it's, it sounds like it's very much like piercing a corporate veil with an LLC. So that obviously gets us into the asset protection, which we wouldn't have time to do today. But hopefully we'll be able to get you back on and talk about these uh, kind of related aspects on a future show. Because, boy, That'd be great. Uh, I, to, to me, this is this is uh, this is news as well. Now, I became familiar with the solo 401k when I was researching the details on uh, UBIT, which uh, stands for Unrelated Business Income Tax. You know that, but many of our listeners may not. And I learned that solo 401ks are actually exempt from paying UBIT, which surprised me, for since no other uh, types of uh, you know uh, direct self-directed not. Re- Retirement accounts would allow that if any time you borrowed money, then that portion became subject to this tax. And your, in your IRA, as you would know, uh, has to file a tax return in that case, but the solo 1401k does not. Now, does that 
is that true? It's not taxable whether I have it in a uh, you know the deductible bucket or as you called it or in the uh, Roth style bucket. So if if I've set up the plant properly, I don't have to worry about UBIT even if I borrow money on a real estate transaction. Well, yeah, and you know UBIT is a generic term. The actual provision that applies in this particular mm-hmm. case is UDFI, unrelated debt financed income, and right. that is where you borrow money, your plan borrows money to invest, and this is always on a non-recourse basis. So if I set up a plan and I want to buy a house, for instance, and I borrowed money, uh, I have 100000 in my plan and I have 100000 I need to borrow to buy this property for $200,000. If it generates for me $40,000 in income this year, well, 50% of that, which represents the debt finance portion, that is... I had to borrow 100 and I and that represented half of the acquisition cost. Mm-hmm. 50% of that income is subject to taxation inside of an IRA. And it, the tax rates once you get about $12,000 hit 39.6%. Yeah, they're 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 high, there's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Now, you know how many people out there are unaware of this? In my experience, over 95% of the investors wow. who utilize this tool are not aware they have to file a form 1099-T each year on that debt finance portion. It's huge. But you don't wow, have that no, with a 401k. They're exempt. Okay. Exempt See, that, that, that is very, very, uh, very very cool because, it, in essence, just like with a self-directed IRA, is what we're touching on here, you are allowed to borrow money in your, in your solo 401k. And on top of it, uh, besides not having to uh, forget to do your 1099-T, uh, you're you're actually exempt from doing it. So this is this is powerful stuff. And anybody that's doing that kind of debt financing within uh, uh, you know an IRA would sound like they should be moving their uh, their account into a solo 401k. You darn right they should because here's what's also going on in the industry right now. The IRS has come out and they've affirmatively stated that they're going to target self-directed IRAs and IRAs in general, but more specifically self-directed IRAs beginning this year. Hmm. And everything they've done up to this point has further evidenced that fact because they've changed Form 5498, which is a reporting form that your IRA custodian has to file on an annual basis with respect to the activity. They've added new boxes onto that form that specifically ask for, does this IRA invest in anything outside of the stock market? And if it does, we want to know what type of investments it's in and how much it's held by that. The reason they changed that form in 2014 is quite obvious because they want to target alternative investments. They want to look at people who are using their IRAs to invest in anything that is not readily traded on an established exchange. And so that's what they're going after. And you don't have those same reporting requirements with 401ks, but with IRAs, you do. So you're at risk. Wow, very interesting. So it sounds like Wall Street has lobbied for another uh, set of changes to uh, keep the money on Wall Street. But uh, that's a whole other topic. Anytime we talk about self-directed IRAs and, and, and you know now in this case, solo 401ks, I mean, that really is an issue. It's, it seems like Wall Street is trying to have a full grasp that the only place you can invest is uh, – in uh, in Wall Street banks or in Wall Street uh, institutions, it's just it's just scary. Now, so from everything you said, I'm hearing that I can have the kind of checkbook control where I can make the actual investments in my um, 
uh, my solo 401k. So in other words, if I want to uh, buy a note, a real estate note, and uh, that you know note sale is taking place pretty quickly, and it's you know I don't have to then uh, contact my custodian and uh, take them two weeks and I have to sign the documents, and then they cut the check two weeks later, and by then the note has been sold. So you're saying I really can do total self-control and really act as a uh, active real estate investor right inside of my or real uh, investor of any sort right inside of my solo 401k am i correct oh you are correct i mean this is how simple it is once you establish your plan you then need mm-hmm. to open up an account so you could open up an account with wells fargo bank of america mm-hmm. whatever institution you want to use that will allow you to have check writing privileges that means they can open mm-hmm. up a check writing account you open up the account under your plan name. So let's say we called it uh, Montalena Pro- Pension and Profit Sharing Plan. So it gets mm-hmm. opened up. You're listed as the trustee, which is the authorized signer on that account. They provide you a checkbook so you can write checks. If you want to uh, perform wire transfers, you're the only authorized individual to do so. You can call up and transfer the money. So now the question is, where does the money come from? How do you get the money in the plan? Mm-hmm. Well, most people have... IRAs. Why not mm-hmm. roll those in? There's your funding right there, and then you can start making these types of investments. Okay, so it doesn't have to go to a custodian first and then into this bank account, so you really could roll it directly from from uh, uh, from an IRA into that account. Very, very, very interesting. Now, just since I'm already picking on Wall Street a little bit appropriately, then uh, it would, uh, as you mentioned, a couple, you know, obviously major banks, but credit unions, you could have that account at a credit union. Any, any restrictions Absolutely. on that? Okay, nope. so it's will be will be fair to everybody. And but, let me just explain what this sure. is. Though. This is a trust, a 401k, an IRA, they're trusts. So all mm-hmm. you're essentially doing is opening up a trust account. And your 401k plan has an EIN number, a uh, taxpayer identification right. number. So you open the plan up, and you, you, when you open up the account, you give them the uh, employer identification number, you're good to go. Okay. All right, so treat it as a trust account, then I answer my own question, because then I know that a credit union can do that account as well. And again, some of them might not, but uh, but it, there's no there's no legal restriction saying they could not. All right, so you've brought up kind of a, a, a really important topic around the whole custodian nature, uh, because as we talked about, you know, the, the typical custodian, you mentioned Schwab, and I'll pick on somebody like Vanguard, obviously a big player, Fidelity, who also kind of do these, uh, they're the IRA custodian for many, many, and 401k custodians for many, many companies. Um, but can they be the custodian on a solo 401k? Do I even need that? Uh, you know, how does that work? Because with a self-directed IRA, I've got to have a separate custodian that handles just self-directed IRAs and allows me to do these things. So, you know, how does the custodian nature work on the solo 401k? Well, when we work with a client, one of the questions we ask them is about funding. What do you want to do with the money? Do you want to have the ability to still invest in the stock market, or do you just want to move completely away from the market and you're going to invest outside of it? If I'm told that somebody still wants to be able to have their foot in the market to be able to have that flexibility, then my recommendation typically is that they open an account with a traditional broker that offers check writing privileges. Now, the reason I bring up Schwab is that we worked with many different brokerage firms in order to create these accounts, and we found that Schwab's the easiest to work with as far as getting the account open, giving the person check writing privileges right away, and then still having the ability to invest in the market. But what's key here is that it has to be your plan. You cannot use their 
plan that they sponsor. If you're going to use Schwab-sponsored plan or Fidelity-sponsored plan, then you will not have the option to invest outside of their platform. You have to actually go to them with your own plan with your own and plan. open okay. an account. Mm-hmm. Correct. That's okay. a key component here. Okay, very interesting. So you just totally change the picture. You really do have to kind of reset your thinking on these things, and obviously uh, that's, I'm sure, part of the help you give people. Uh, Now, you help people set up these these, uh, solo 401k plans and defining these things, and obviously you're very knowledgeable in this area. Does your company also provide any of those custodian services, or are you basically separating that in, and again, somebody like a Schwab or Fidelity or somebody else would handle that, uh, or uh, a different bank? Yeah, we do not provide custodian services. Um, we, we give our clients the options, tell them where to go. We, can, we help them uh, request the rollovers, fill out the account applications, but it's really up to them. Wherever they feel most comfortable putting their funds is where they will open up their account. We just tell them what the pros and cons are of the different institutions based on our own experience in working with them. Okay. Now, we've given our, our listeners a lot of great reasons why the solo 401k makes a lot of sense, and I just want to make sure they don't just kind of decide to they're going to you know hang up on the rest of the show and go uh, start raising the uh, withholdings or they're uh, reducing their estimated taxes for 2016 and assuming that they can do a solo 401k. I assume that not everybody can do one. There's always got to be some limitations. So let me ask you that this is the first one. Let's say that I work for a company it has a 401k plan, uh, would that then not allow me to set up a solo 401k? No, you can have your own solo 401k provided you have a business. So you have to. You can be working for an employer, but then you have a side business uh, that engages mm-hmm. in some activity. You, your business can sponsor a solo 401k. The only issue you're going to run into is contribution limits. With 401k sure. plans, for the employee contributions at eighteen thousand dollars, mm-hmm. you're capped at a maximum of eighteen thousand across all four hundred one Ks that you participate in. So if your employer if you put into that plan ten thousand dollars and the most that can go into your plan would be eight on the four hundred one K side. Mm-hmm. But on the profit sharing side, you do not have those limitations. So if you are fortunate enough to be work for a company that offers you a profit sharing plan, mm-hmm. let's assume that they further they maxed it out for you every year at fifty three thousand dollars, you could mm-hmm. set up your own plan and make the same contribution and throw in another fifty three thousand dollars provided you had the income to do it, and now you would have you know one hundred and six thousand dollars. It's only the four hundred one k plan that's limited at eighteen across all plans. Okay. Interesting, but I think we're ready. I'm, tr- I'm trying to inspire a little bit of creativity here to make sure that you know people don't take the limitations uh, at face value and, and ignore it. Then uh, let's go back for a second to the SEP IRA. If I have, let's say, six employees in addition to myself, any contributions I make to my my account in that SEP IRA, I also have to make uh, comparable. Um, contributions to their accounts, and I think it's on a percentage basis. How about with a solo 401k, or is there a further restriction that I just flat out can't have any employees? How does that work? Yeah, with the solo 401k, if you have employees, you're going to be converted into a traditional 401k at that point mm-hmm. in time. And for many employers, you know that's, that's a great incentive for their employees, but if you're looking to utilize these funds in non-traditional forms, to, to invest outside of the market, it's going to become 
harder to do that in a traditional 401k because of the fiduciary obligations that are going to be imposed upon you as the plan sponsor. And when I run into a situation like that, I typically tell people that, you know, I see you want to gain control of your funds, but the 401k, the solo 401k is not the, the appropriate choice for you at this juncture because of the ongoing reporting requirements you're going to have and the fiduciary obligations that will be imposed upon you. It's just not worth it. Just use a, use a traditional 401k that is sponsored by a financial institution and let them handle all the, the reporting requirements for you, and then you just use it to fund your retirement, but don't invest outside of the whatever they provide you. Fair enough. Before we continue, in case you just tuned in, you're listening to the Wealthinia Radio Show. I'm your host, Ron Naraki. You can listen to the earlier portion on the archive. If you missed prior shows, you'll also find them there, WealthDNA.us. Today, our guest is Clint Coons, founding partner of Anderson Law Group, and Anderson spelled S-O-N, which becomes important when you go to the website, um, and is an author of a uh, very recent book, Asset Protection for Real Estate Investors. You might want to put that on your reading list. If you just tuned in, you'll want to go back to the beginning of the show. Let's try that again. You'll want to go back to the beginning of the show soon after we finish. Same link will take you there. Our producers make it pretty easy for you. Now, Clint, if I don't meet the qualifications for contributing to a solo 401k, does that also mean that I can't set one up? So if I do have employees in my business and I can't set up a solo 401k, uh, I mean, I can't contribute to a solo 401k, could I still set one up? and then maybe roll funds in from another place, or is contributing and setting up both restricted the same way? Well, if you had employees and you have an existing business, and you're just interested in utilizing your existing funds, maybe they're in inside of an IRA and you want to right. roll them over and gain access to them, we're actually, I'd recommend you set up a profit-sharing plan, just a traditional profit-sharing and not the 401k. Because the 401k has all the reporting requirements that go along with it. Profit-sharing plan... You don't have to give people the option to contribute. It's all based upon the employer side, and you can decide on an annual basis if you want to put money in or not. There's no requirement that you actually make a contribution. But enrolling the funds in, now you have control. So you can actually control those funds and put them to work somewhere else. Gotcha. When should someone avoid a solo 401k? There's got to be some situations you've run into where they just should not do it. Well, for me, it's if, if you told me all you want to do is invest in the market, um, mm-hmm. well, you know, I would still set up a solo 401k, but I wouldn't use the type of plan I'm referring to where you hire someone like Anderson to draft your plan for you with all the bells and whistles that comes with it because it just doesn't make sense. You might as well use a traditional broker and utilize their plan that they have adopted mm-hmm. and they'll set up for you because it will be le- less expensive for you uh, at the outset. Um, other than that, I really don't see any reason why you wouldn't want to use a, a 401k plan, a solo 401k over an IRA. For, to me, the IRAs just do not offer anywhere close to the benefits you get with a uh, 401k. So I would okay. always set one up. All right. So in that case, when they only want to invest in the market, your second advice is they listen to the Wealth DNA radio show regularly, and that will probably change their mind. They'll be back to talk to you again. <laughs> there you go. All right. Now, I've also heard you talking about superfunding a Roth IRA through this solo 401k. Tell, tell us what that means and how that works. Well, it's a, all right. So to superfund a Roth, and this gets kind mm-hmm. of technical, 
Okay. Uh, you have to first set up your plan the right way. As I talked about earlier, you know, when you work with the different financial institutions, they, they restrict what you can do in your plan. Correct. But when you create a retirement plan, a solo 401k, you pick and choose what options you want to provide the employer, the plan sponsor, that he can then provide to the employees. Now, many 401k plans that you've participated for in the past, they have restrictions such as you cannot take your money out of the plan until you separate from service. So you have to quit. Now, the reason they do that is because it's an administrative burden, number one, for the administrator of the plan to allow employees to take their money, move it in and out. And number two, they want to hold on to your funds because that's how they make money. Well, when you set up your own plan, the idea here is let's take everything that you could conceivably ever need, put it into that plan to create the widest or the, the most flexibility that is available to you under the Internal Revenue Code and under ERISA. And we do that by allowing interim distributions. So you can roll out of your plan at any time, even though you're still an employee and you're still a, a plan sponsor. So you can take your money in and out. That's key number one. Number two, in order to create this, you have to have a very special provision in there that allows the employee to make after-tax contributions. So this comes from the employee, mm -hmm. and you draft your plan accordingly. If you have those two provisions inside of your, your 401k, solo 401k plan, then you have the ability to fund a Roth IRA up to $53,000 on an annual basis. And the way you do it is you have to roll out into that Roth the following year after your contributions. The IRS has accepted this. It's even on their website. They tell you how to do it. But you have to have the appropriate plan created that opens this up to you. Okay. It's kind of like your operating agreement has to have the um, the various provisions in it to allow you to do certain things. So similar similar thing here, although probably much more uh, <laughs> tested by the IRS or, you know, is going to be checked more often than something like an operating agreement. So okay, basically you've got to design it for what you might want to do in the future. And I guess those are what called technically in-service withdrawals in a, in, in a traditional uh, 401k plan. That's correct. When you're gonna, okay. So and we, we've mentioned that in the past for some people and – usually what we ask them to do if they're looking to invest in a self-directed or solo 401k uh, is to uh, look for in their current plan for in-service in withdrawals. So, okay, we've got to make sure we get uh, some of our astute listeners up to speed on that. And you talked about this, uh, uh, you know, protection from creditors of the 401k versus the IRA, which, again, still is as fascinating to me. But I assume this is where your two practice areas or two major practice areas kind of come together, the asset protection as well as the um, qualified retirement plans. I mean, it sounds like this is where kind of the two meet. It's kind of like the, the hub of the wheel uh, seems to be this whole creditor protection uh, ties those two practice areas together. Absolutely. Uh, you know, one of the reasons why we put money aside for retirement is, of course, so we have more freedom when we're done working so we can mm -hmm. do more. But there are things that come up during our life that we can't predict. And so you don't want to jeopardize, you know, any funds that you've accumulated, investments that you've made outside of the plan, nor would you want to jeopardize your plan as well. And so by utilizing very specific entities that provide certain types of protections, you can ensure that if something was thrown at you that you hadn't anticipated and a judgment's entered against you, that your plan assets or your other assets will be protected from that judgment. 
And a 401k plan for retirement uh, assets is the is one of the best forms of protection because not only are you uh, protected from personal creditors, and, and it's a bad analogy, but it's also a good example how these protections work, is that O.J. Simpson, you know, he has a wrongful death judgment against him, and I forget what the amount is, $17 million or something by the Goldmans, but they can't collect. Even though he's able to, well, I don't, I don't think he's out of Nevada yet, but when he gets out of the big house and he moves <laughs> back down to Florida, uh, the money that he brings in right now is solely from his NFL retirement plan, which is an ERISA-sponsored plan. That's protected Sponsored from the Goldmans. Correct. And that's one of the benefits of having these types of plans is that you have these types of protections. But more importantly, I give you the example of the IRA where somebody made a mistake with their investing and then the right. trustee could take it from them. With a 401k, there's a lot more leeway. The intent behind the ERISA and Department of Labor regulations is that we do not want these plans invalidated because by invalidating retirement plans, what you're doing then is you're forcing all of the participants to potentially become a burden of the state burden of the federal government when they retire because you've taken their retirement plan assets away from them. And we don't want that burden. We want them to support themselves. So the way it works in a 401, solo 401k or other qualified plans, if you make a mistake, your plan is not invalidated. It's just that one mistake that becomes a taxable event. That means you have to pay a penalty tax on that transaction. But all your other money stays protected. It's still in the plan. It's not going to be distributed to you. Forced distribution. Creditors can't get after the funds. And that's really, really important. And I can't overstate it enough that when you're dealing with IRAs, I mean, one mistake blows the entire mm-hmm. amount that's held inside of that IRA. No, that's, that's, that's gone. Important. Yeah, we always remind any investors using their uh, self-directed IRAs of, of, of those kinds of provisions and try to keep them sensitive to that. Now, I happen to be working feverishly to finish up some corporate taxes uh, tomorrow, which uh, starting to look like I may have to extend the uh, the deadline. How do taxes work with a solo 401k? I mean, basically, it's a totally tax-free environment. I don't have to worry about it. Let me use it one specific example. Let's say that that solo 401k is a... Um, a business owner, whether in a, uh, a partnership or an S corp, and gets a K one, does that four hundred one, that solo four hundred one K, have to file a tax return in that case? I mean, what you know, are there any times that they have to deal with taxes? When your plan assets exceed two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, okay, then you have to file a tax return, or if you have uh, common law employees. So as long as you're sticking with a solo 401k or a profit-sharing plan, which is just you and your spouse or business owner, as long as you're not above the 250, you're fine. But once plan assets get above 250, then you have to start filing an annual 5500 return. Okay. All right. 5500 so, is return, huh? Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Now the thing is, is that with these plans, you know, and these types of investments, I have a lot of clients that are under that, and so the I always tell people, the least amount of information you have to provide, the better off you're always going to be. So sure. when you're not even filing a return, no one's even aware of the fact that you have this plan. That is, the IRS isn't aware of it. And, and the IRS really isn't a concern. They tend to stay away from uh, qualified retirement plans. You know, since I started doing this, uh, I can think of no more than four audits 
our clients have ever had. And we've created thousands of plans, and there's only been four audits. And, and the majority of those audits, of those four, I think three of them were Department of Labor audits, and one was an IRS audit. And they dealt with situations where people had common law employees. They had common law employees. That is, they, you know, they had traditional plans set up where they were right. funding it for other people. So they're just not scrutinized. Okay. And uh, now that could change. I guess we always have to say things could change with that uh, the new boxes on the 5498. Uh, 5498, my number's right, on the um, information return. But that only applies to IRAs. Okay, good point. So so IRAs, they might go after a little bit more. And again, the 401 k Oh, they are. To be, okay. All right. That's, you know, uh, uh, again, last year are... they came out and stated that, that they intend to target self-directed IRAs where the individual has, you know, can invest outside of the market that are in hard-to-value assets. Okay. Now, one of the things that, um, you know, we, we, we touch on very often is, uh, well, why don't we know about this more? Okay, 2001 is pretty recent. I mean, that's maybe one reason most people don't know about so old 401ks. Uh, is it Wall Street that doesn't want people to know that you have all of this flexibility out there? I mean, that's one of the reasons that only, what, 2% of the uh, IRA assets are in self-directed IRAs. I mean, what, what, what's the key reason that we don't hear about solo 401ks more? Well, I think it's it's twofold. You have those individuals okay. on Wall Street that want to hold your money, and you have the self-directed IRA uh, promoters that also want to hold your money because they're third-party administrators or they're uh, custodians. And when you put your money with them, they control it. The, that constitutes what we call AUM, assets under management. Right. And so if your money's not being deployed, then they're using it to make money. And that is a, you know, there's a strong incentive for them to collect as much money as they can and get it under management because then it becomes an asset that can be sold at a later date to a large financial institution. If you're working with a self-directed IRA company, I mean, let's take Equity Trust. Are you familiar with what's going on there? Yes, oh, absolutely. Equity Trust? Mm-hmm. Okay, so, you know, let's assume that the government, which is a strong likelihood it's going to happen, is going to shut Equity Trust down. Uh, where are their assets going to go? Well, they're going to be sold off to another financial institution who will bring those in. A lot of those people probably will then lose their ability or they'll have to wind up their uh, alternative investments or get them out because a financial institution is not going to accept that liability. But there's money there. There's value in that type of uh, of wealth building that up but through people's retirement accounts. Whereas with the solo 401k, you don't have that. I mean, when I, when when you set up a solo 401k, it's basically you go to this bank, you go to this institution to to hold your account. You decide where you want that money to be, and then you can move it out. And they don't have any; they no longer have control over it, or they're they're not making money off of it because you've taken it away from them. Okay, so if my numbers are right, 98% of the problem is Wall Street, and 2% of the problem is the uh, self-directed IRA custodians, but that's about the split on assets these days. There you go. The last I had seen. Okay, now this is an election year, so I have to ask you, could some of these great aspects that we have in the solo 401k, even in self-directed IRAs or, or, or IRAs in total, I mean, could some of those just plain evaporate if we you know, elect the wrong uh, president or the wrong members of Congress? Well, you know, so the current sitting president has come out on a few occasions and indicated that he wanted to limit the maximum amount of money anybody could put into their retirement plan because uh, he felt that you don't need more than a million dollars or whatever the number is to retire upon. That produces enough money for you. Uh, That got nowhere. And I don't think that 
that would ever pass through Congress, any types of limits or, or to plans themselves. What you see here, in that, and I think it's going to continue on, is the focus on IRAs. Now, what did change in 2014, I forget the, um, the senator from Oregon, he was spearheading the charge against self-directed IRAs, but when the Republicans took control of the Senate, that died off. Oh, that died off. And, yeah, and so now what you've seen is the IRS has kind of taken the mantle, but it's been at a much slower pace because the Senate was having hearings on it, and they were seriously looking into the use of IRA funds uh, for alternative investments. And, you know, where does that come from? I bet it. I strongly believe it's the lobbyists for these financial institutions that put sure. the pressure upon the senators to go after and target people who are not stepping in line and doing what they tell them to do with their retirement funds. Okay, but, you know, and people that might be doomsayers or, or you know, really worry about you know congressional changes that could all be a bad. I've got to go back to an earlier point which fascinated me. You said right near the beginning of the show that when the uh, plans were formed back in 2001, it was a simplification brought about by Congress. So, uh, you know, that struck me so much. I made a note of that, and I think I'm going to use that phrase every once in a while. So you may hear. Uh, me mentioning that in future shows as well, that there are times where Congress actually does things to simplify uh, life for uh, for entrepreneurs and business people and uh, citizens in general. So It takes simply about 20 years that. between times when they do it, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't say it was often. I just thought it was a great example. Hey, let's, re- let's do something real important. Remind our listeners how they contact you, learn more about you, the solo 401ks and services, other services that Anderson Law Group offers. Give us that website again. Uh, it's andersonadvisors.com, Anderson with an mm-hmm. O. And if they want to know more right. about this particular topic mm-hmm. and, and how they and the different options you have with respect to Qualified Retirement Plan, Solo 401Ks. Right. If you go to andersonadvisors.com forward slash my IRA, M-Y-I-R-A, mm-hmm. I have okay. put together a number of modules that will walk you through. Here are the problems with self-directed IRAs. Here's a quali- Solo 401K, other types of qualified retirement plans, and then the things that you can do with them. Because we just scratched the surface of these plans. Uh, we didn't even get into borrowing out of the out of the plan itself and what you can do with mm-hmm. that funds or, or partnering with your plan to make investments. Uh, sure. You can create certain types of structures where you can allocate uh, deductions to yourself um, and not to your plan that doesn't need it. Uh, when when you put together certain types of, of structures and um, investments, so there's a there's a lot of opportunities with these plans that we just scratch the surface of. And if you want to get more educated on it, I would suggest you go there. And listen mm-hmm. to them. There's a number. They're short videos. They, they range no more than uh, 10 to 15 minutes in length, but it'll walk you through it. Very cool. Okay, so slash my my IRA after the website. And uh, why don't yeah. you give us that phone number again? It was 1 800, as I recall. Yeah, it's 800 706 4741. 4741. Excellent. Okay, so that'd be the way to, to reach you. Now, I understand you've put together a special offer for our listeners. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so that's the offer. We're going to give you a number of videos. I just kind of jumped the gun on that one. Okay, um, sure. If, if you go there and you sign up, um, not only will you gain access to those videos, but you're also going to receive a free consultation if you want it, um, where we'll mm-hmm. look at your current plan and we'll make recommendations to you. So uh, you'll 
you'll find out whether or not you can take your plan. You can roll it in if it's qualified to roll over because certain types of plans cannot be rolled in to one of these. And more importantly, if you did set it up, you know, is it going to benefit you? Because I don't want people to think that if you just set up this type of plan that it's best for your situation. For some individuals, depending on what they want to do, um, we'll recommend, you know, stay with what you have because the cost of setting this up and what you have to do on, a, on an annual basis, spend on your plan assets, just probably doesn't make sense if all you wanted to do, for instance, was buy a rental property and hold on to it for 15 years. I would never recommend you utilize my plan because it doesn't. it's cheaper to go the other route with the IRA. So this is really for people who wanted to do more other than just hold on to something and never uh, invest the money outside of that one asset. Okay, but in that case, if they do want to put that one rental property in there, you're also going to talk to them a little bit about having it uh, properly protected in an LLC because the, they can be sued from the inside of the IRA. And this is the kind of topic we need to spend more time with you on in the future. Correct. Yep. And we'll talk to you, you know, but maybe they want to convert it to a Roth. We'll show them how they can do partial Roth conversion. So that may be a reason why you would roll that property in to a solo 401k just so you can take Roth conversions inside of the plan and move that money over into a tax-free environment rather than a tax-deferred environment. And I've done that plenty of times with clients with uh, real estate. Fair point. Fair point, because if I'm not going to get the tax deductions for depreciation anyway, I might as well have it in a tax-free environment. At least the cash flow doesn't uh, doesn't generate taxes for me downstream. So uh, excellent, excellent point. Now, we've covered a lot of aspects of these four solo 401ks, as well as some asset protection that we've touched on. Are there some key ones you'd like to add or emphasize? Yeah, what I would say is that, you know, with anything, it it comes down to the professionals you work with. That do they truly understand what you want to accomplish? And, you know, there's a lot of attorneys and CPAs out there that are very smart individuals, and they tend to give very accurate information. But it's not necessarily relevant information. That is, it doesn't help the individual get to that point where they want to be. And and many times that's a a combination of not understanding uh, how that entity will be perceived by others with whom you're going to be conducting business. And what are the limitations that entity will impose upon you? Many times I come back to, to borrowing money. You know, there's ways in which you can set up your structures so that you look very attractive to lenders. And there's ways you can set up a structure where nobody's going to want to loan you money. And you're still making the same amount of income, but it's just you appear riskier based upon how your structure was set up and how you file your taxes. And if all you do is focus on just that one small aspect of investing or, or, or structuring, that is, if all you focus on is asset protection or if all you focus on is on taxes – then you tend to miss uh, the overall structure itself and what it can do for someone when it's set up the proper way. And that's what we do at Anderson, and that's what we focus on. And so it does run contrary many times to what somebody will, say, that will tell me, I heard something different from my local professional. And I'll say, he's not wrong. It's just not necessarily right for you based upon what you want to do going forward, what you've uh, communicated to me. And many times I can pick that up just from a tax return. I can see what's going on inside of their business. If they fill out an asset sheet and a tax return, I can spot the issues before I even talk to them. And then they're just amazed. So you have a recorder or something that you, that uh, is attached to me I'm not aware of because that's the exact same conversation I had you know, a month ago when I tried to do something. They denied me for those reasons that you just explained. I said, well, it's obvious you know, to someone who does it. 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Clint, it was great having you on the show. I hope you uh, would join us again in the future to talk about asset protection. Uh, I get a lot of questions on that several times a month, so I would love to have you on as, a, as, as, as an expert and talk about some of the things that you know people come to me for. Uh, I'm not an expert, but I usually can point them in the right direction, so hopefully uh, we can we can talk about that in a more concentrated format sometime in the future. That would be great. I'd really like to do that. All right. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me on. It was truly a pleasure. Okay. Now, if you weren't already familiar with solo 401ks, I suspect you were surprised to hear how advantageous these accounts can be. For most listeners, I suspect the biggest issue they feel they don't qualify for a solo 401k since their situation is different than the lone entrepreneur. But before you make that assumption, I'd like you to take a little time to think creatively about how, in some aspect of your career, you are indeed that lone entrepreneur. But your current contracts or legal structures weren't set up to reflect that. Let's say you run your own company, but you have employees and thus think you don't qualify. Well, maybe, just maybe, that company shouldn't employ you. It should instead have an outsourcing contract or an arrangement with a separate company that you and your spouse own. But you wonder if that's possible or even legal. So then take advantage of Clint Coon's very generous offer to provide an initial consultation. Putting two great minds together, you just might come up with the proper structures and contracts to make it possible. And contributing ten times as much, or at least three times as much as you have in the past, that could be well worth it. And now that some of our listeners know that Clint is also an expert in asset protection, you may want to take advantage of a consultation to solve your unique dilemmas related to asset protection. Now, on, a fr- uh, on Friday, uh, I mentioned people stop in every once in a while. An investor stopped in my, uh, in my office to ask about ways they could protect their business from potential legal challenges related to another adventure, adventure, not adventure, but venture they're involved in. So I shared a few basic principles. I let them know the right approach just might appear while they listen to today's show or if they contact our guest after the show. Now, our next best advice I would give that investor and every English-speaking saver and investor around the world, tune into the Wealth DNA Radio Show every second and fourth Monday of the month. Regular listeners know that our objective is to share the fundamentals of investing, provide great ideas for building and protecting your wealth. Our mission is to help you and one million other people become millionaires. Listening to the Wealth DNA Radio Show, I also help uh, will help you enjoy that. Uh, long vacation that Jonathan Clements used as an analogy for retirement in his quote. Let me repeat that quote. Retirement is like a long vacation in Las Vegas. The goal is to enjoy it to the fullest, but not so fully that you run out of money. If you missed part of today's show, you want to recommend it to some friends. The link in the announcement will take you to the archived version. And somebody is calling at the same time. If you hear that uh, background noise, sorry about that. But the archived version, of course, you will find on WealthDNA.us. I'd like to thank our sponsor today, BI Solutions Corp., a residential real estate fund in the Phoenix Scottsdale area, for helping us put together this show. They also help their investors find ways to grow their solo 401ks and self-directed retirement accounts. Next Wealth DNA Radio Show will be the fourth Monday of March. That's Monday, March 28th, 9 a.m. Arizona. Same place, same time. Unless, of course, you're in Europe or other places that change their clocks before our next show, in which case the show will be an hour later. 
We'll talk about Social Security, including the recent changes, or at least that's our plan. We don't have confirmation from our guest yet. The full lineup of guests and topics is on www.wealthdna.us. You'll find the full archive of past shows there, too. If you have some comments or questions about the show or others, or if you haven't received my emails reminding you about the show, send an email to ron at wealthdna.us or follow The Ronald on Facebook or Twitter, and we'll keep you posted about future shows and events. Happy investing and taking advantage of Clint Kuhn's generous offer. You've been listening to Wealth DNA with Ron Naraki on Arizona Boomer Radio. Arizona Boomer Radio is produced by the Boomer and the Babe Incorporated and can be heard Monday through Friday. You can sign up for their online magazine at boomerandthebabe.com. To reach the Boomer and the Babe, email host at boomerandthebabe.com or friend them on facebook.com slash boomerandbabe. And on Blog Talk, you can friend them at blogtalkradio.com slash boomerandbabe. Follow their tweets at twitter.com slash boomerandbabe. Be sure to make the second half of your life the best half of your life. And remember, at 50, you're just getting started.